This is Xane Anderson. Welcome to the Principal Podcast today. Today, I am thrilled to have Aaron Shelley on the show. Aaron has a, a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. He's got an MBA. He's worked with small businesses and startups. And he knows how related families and businesses, how that dynamic is. Um, he and his wife have run a dance school in Utah for over 20 years. He's built multiple companies. He's consulted across multiple industries. He's helped raise millions of dollars as a CEO. And I want to just have him on the show here today um, to pick his brain and help parents and families maybe think about things in a different way. So welcome to the show, Aaron. Glad to have you here. Thanks a lot, Xan. I'm excited to be here. I think this will be exciting. So tell us a little bit about, you know, one of the things that I was really fascinated about is this, this family business model. And I wonder if you could share your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I, when I look at the business, I, I helped another guy at, at BYU write a book on family and entrepreneurship. And that was really the beginnings of this. And so if you look at a business, all businesses are different. And yet you can have successful businesses like a Google or a Walmart, and they have different models. They have different cultures, all this type of different stuff. And then you look at families and they have those same principles. And I and as I kind of bounce between the two, because I worked with my own family and with this book and then also consulting, I just noticed, wow, it seems like families are trying to generate money as well, just like a business. The families are trying to have a strong culture that you know people identify with and want to be a part of, just like a business. You know, families have certain structures that, you know, meetings and activities and, and rituals, just like a business does. So I started to notice these very strong uh, relationships. Of course, there's some differences. You usually can't like fire your children, but there's definitely some places where you go conceptually, as we zoom out, they look very similar to me. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So, so I have a question for you. How do you, knowing this, like, how do you create a family culture that leads to success? I mean, if you're, you know, you're talking about culture, you're talking about family business, family culture, that, that kind of thing. How do you do that? Well, I think a lot, if you look at a, a, a business and that's, we'll start there. Cause I think a lot of people have some basis there. Like if you look at Google, their business model is we're going to, or their strategy is we're going to try to organize the world's data. That's one main piece. And then they go, who do we need to do that? We need engineers. So what structure do we need? We need to hire that type of people. We're not going to have a lot of management. We're not going to give them a lot of freedom. And the culture is going to be, hey, whenever you do your best work, if it's a 4 a.m., great. You know, if you have good ideas, cool. And best idea wins. And then if you were to look at a company like Walmart, their strategy is to provide good resources to people. Their structure is very hierarchical and very store-based because they need those type of things in place. And then their culture is one of obedience and follow through, right? Like they need people to be there to put stuff on the shelves at the right times. Otherwise there's, the company doesn't work. So both those companies are very successful, but they have different cultures. And I think it's the same in the family where if you're a, if you want to be a doctor, you need to have a culture of delayed gratification to get to become a doctor. And if you don't have that culture, it's just not going to work because you're going to get into debt and you know, quit college, and then you'll have all this debt and, and be messed up. So it's much more around how do you create a culture that is aligned with your strategy and structure, right? If you want to go into, if, if you want to be a blue collar worker, those people that I've seen, my, I have a brother-in-law who does that. They have a, have a culture of it rains, sleet, sun, whatever the weather you go do it, right? This is like farmers. It doesn't matter. There's just stuff that has to get done. You know, whereas if you look at a lot of people who work in the tech business world, the culture is like, oh, it snowed today. Okay, we're not going into work. We'll work remote. 
right? So there's this differences in cultures depending on the strategy that you're pursuing. And then you right. have some struck. Does that make sense? So right. it's not so a it, culture. You can't say that I mean, if you're a surgeon, you can't say, hey, I'm not going into work today if it's snowing, right? But you could do that as a tech person. I get that. Let me ask you this. As you say these things, something came to mind. You know, uh, they say there's three things that are important when you're trying to, to influence people. And one of them is example. And one of them is example. And one of them is example. And, and um, you know, when you think about a doctor who's gone through medical school, he's taken the time to do a residency or some kind of, you know, a, 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 a put in a lot of years to get to the point where he can be a doctor. That's probably in some ways, probably already ingrained in his mind, but could that parent who now maybe has some good access to resources, spoil his kids and teach a culture that was not one of delayed gratification and saying, okay, I'm going to kind of forget that I had to go jump through these, all these hoops to get here. But because I now have some resources, I'm going to make it really easy for my kid. Does that, I mean, does that happen? Do you think? It totally does. Or you'll see like, or, or those, those, like I will be like, my dad spent so much time with me. You know, I may, they may have grown up on a farm where it's all about hard work and discipline. Hey, we're going to get you to college. And they had all this mentality of hard work, discipline, stick with things. And then, you know, he becomes a doctor and he's like, I'm just going to focus on providing money for my family. And all of a sudden he's gone all the time and he's not spending any time with his kids. So his kids can't learn from his example. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a difference there where you have to show the example. And I, and you're right. I've seen people who make a lot of money as an entrepreneur. I've talked with them and they go, and then they'll say, I don't want my kids to have to work as hard as I did. It's like, but you're one of the most successful people in society now. And the things that made you successful were all of those trials, were all of those things you overcame. So it's, it's very often that we are trying to make it easier for the next generation, but in some ways making it easier is then weakening them to the point that they can't actually do what you have been able to achieve. Isn't that interesting? That's kind of, I think that happens a lot where people say, well, I want to make it easy. So they don't have to go through what I went through when in reality, what you went through is what in large part made you successful because you had to fight and struggle and delayed gratification in the case of a doctor or other careers to get to where you are. And so if we, if we forget that some people may not even quite realize how that experience helped make them who they are and they want to make it easy, but in reality, in the long run, they're making it hard. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. It's this, it's this piece of you're, you're trying to, how do I, how do I do some shortcuts? I actually did this with my son. I'm like, I'm in tech and my son wants to get into tech. And I'm like, Hey, why don't you skip the, I clean toilets. I worked at a storehouse at a, like a Walmart type place. When I was young, I did a call center and I remember doing those. And I was like, those were such crappy jobs. They made me, they made me want to work harder and not do those. And with my son, I'm like, well, you're so smart. How about I just, just start doing coding and I'll help you do that. But he didn't have the motivation from having the crap. And so he wasn't really as motivated and getting that done. And then a year right before he, um, right after he'd been through college, he actually went and did a job at Amazon and he wasn't through college, just a year of college. He went to Amazon and worked this crappy job in the middle of the night. And then I'm like, Oh, I I should have had him do that earlier because I didn't remember the stuff that was important to my development. I was just trying to help him accelerate him on the path without the experiences. So interesting. I think that happens with so many parents where they, they're not realizing what happened. You know, it's really interesting. I've, I've known uh, a number of quite successful people and you would be surprised the number of people who are very successful in business who started out as a farm boy in, uh, you know, in a very rural setting, milking cows or working on the farm. 
Um, and I, I wonder sometimes, you know, a lot of them want to get off the farm, but that very fact that they have to get up at four in the morning or five in the morning at every single day and do the job, do the work, um, has, has helped build them to who they are. So I think that's an important thing for parents to not forget, you know, that, that hard thing. I like what you said too, you know, let them have a job as a janitor, let them have a job as something that maybe is not their first choice. And by the way, my hat's off to anyone who's, who's a janitor. Thank you so much for everything. There's no, there's great work. I've actually been a janitor myself and uh, it made me appreciate some things. I chose that's not the career path I wanted to go, but for, for those, those listening who are doing that, um, noble and good work. But I'm saying if sometimes things that may, some people uh, consider um, that they don't want to do, that makes them have the, inf- the, uh, the, the gumption to say, I want to do something else. And well, and that's, that's where you see some of the cultural elements from different business models, as I would call it. Like my grandfather was a potato farmer and a sheep farmer up in Idaho, right? So he had, there was this whole discipline, hard work, do whatever the crap you need to do. Then my mom, you know, she worked really hard in school and she really was into farming or like or gardening and whatnot, but she had a lot of that discipline and she tried to pass that on, but it was just hard when we don't have 200 acres that need to be perpetually worked. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I, I've seen that where you're like, well, I don't have the same needs for my children. I don't know how, how it is for you, but for me, I'm like, uh, I don't really have like hours of work that my kids need to do every day to survive as a family. It's, Okay, go vacuum the law. You go vacuum your room and do the dishes. You know, it's like maybe I have half an hour of work that you could do, but if you have multiple kids, I'm like, do I have that much work? No. So that's one of the more difficult things. We don't have a lot of the work that the young kids could actually be useful doing because our lives become so simple (laughs) or so so much simpler in terms of how we make money, I guess. Right. You know, and I actually, I know of someone, he said, I've got a pig farm and it needs manure. And I've, I've actually, I haven't done it yet, but I need to, I want to say, well, can I, can I have my kids come down and we can shovel pig manure? I want to just have them experience it so they can get some real good hard work in, you know, so you might have to work on creating opportunities. I, I should have done it. And I haven't done it yet. Interesting. So I've, I've got a question for you. And it, this is something that came up, uh, when, you know, looking at some of the things you've ta- been good at talking about what did bill kate's parent what did bill gates parents do do you think that were helpful to his success so if you look at bill gates a very interesting case study because most people are like oh bill he's this great entrepreneur and we often focus just on that person without saying but what was the the environment that created him well bill gates dad was a lawyer he, he, at one point he started his own practice. So there was some element of being an entrepreneur. So he could have seen that example, but then his mom, she was a school teacher. She married the dad. Then they had three children. She stopped working, invested in her children's education, invested time there. And then she started to serve in the community. You know, she wasn't, she didn't go back to work to earn money. She started to invest in what I call social resources by serving. So she served on the board of the University of Washington, and then she served, served on the board of United Way. Well, on the board of United Way also happened to be the CEO of IBM. And that happened to be a very important connection for Bill Gates. I mean, that could have been a hundred billion dollar connection for Bill because it helped him get in. It helped him have that connection so that he could then sell Microsoft the software on top of IBM. And so mm-hmm. you look at her thing and you're like, you would say, well, she's just serving in the community. 
And I look at it and say, no, she was investing in social resources. In the business world, what we would call that is marketing and sales, right? People who are investing in the relationships and building a brand because that's what uh, the CEO said. He's like, oh, that's, that's Mary Gates' son. Right. She didn't, oh, that's this genius boy. It's like, no, I know him and I can, and I trust him because of the parent. And so by her investing in those social resources, the dad was obviously investing in financial resources for the family, but she was investing in those social connections that were massively beneficial to Bill. And I think we often forget that there is that side of a family. And that's a lot of times what women historically were investing in. They weren't just, hey, I'm sitting at home. They'd be working in the community, serving in schools, serving on school boards, doing those type of things, building connections. And then when the family needed help, oh, I have a kid who needs a job. Oh, we're having this problem. Then all of a sudden those resources could be bought, brought to bear. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's, I like, I, that's a very interesting way to think about it. Social resources. And it brings a thought to mind too, when you say this, Um, you know, I was talking to someone, uh, in fact, I've shared this before that the best outcomes happen when when parents act like the CEOs of their kids' education. What I'm hearing you say is, hey, it's okay to to bring your children and meet meet the people, your, your connections, social connections, business connections. When you are the CEO, you're trying to invest in your children in the future and it's a long-term investment, right? It's not something you, you say, okay, I'm going to introduce them to somebody and tomorrow I'm going to get a payday or they're going to get a payday or something. But you're, you're, you're showing them through uh, your example, frankly, um, how to be successful in different things that can, and in, and in Bill Gates' situation, made a huge difference for him, right? Just that one connection. Yeah, and that's, and that's in the business world, we call that. That's sales and marketing, you know, when you're like, well, we're going we're gonna to invest in our brand. Right. And people are like, well, how much PR should we do? And it's hard. You never quantify like how much is Nike's brand worth? You know, we, we, there's no real way to quantify those things, but we all know that that's worth a ton. You know, that's Michael Jordan's brand. That's there's all that stuff there, but we can't quantify it like we can a paycheck. And so often if you can't quantify it, then we don't think it's valuable. And I think historically you'll have some, you know, some men would come home from work like, hey, wife, what I made money. What did you do? Oh, nothing, nothing valuable. But the reality was that the, the mom was investing in the social resources, investing in the human resources of the family through training the children. And that's a, those, those are just as essential, right? We would never say to a business, hey, get rid of your sales and marketing department. You don't need them. But for some reason, societally, we've kind of said, hey, get rid of your, you know, your social resources and just focus on money. You know, gosh, I love what you're saying here. It it, it occurred to me uh, sometime in the last several years that my my wife, who is very good and nurturing and very good at raising our children, she has the most important career now. So she doesn't stay home so that I can go to work. I go to work so that she has the opportunity to stay home and do the most important thing, important things like you're talking about, where um, that that she's better at, right? So, um, and she enjoys being a a mom and and helping our children and things, doing those social connections and things. So let me ask you this. um, Just just one sec before you go on. I wanna talk, there's one other role that I, I think we've missed here too with women at home. Remember when I was younger, I'd come home and I'd be like, mom, I failed a test. And my mom would always be there. And then she'd say, well, did you prepare for it? <laughs> did you study? Did you, you know, what happened? And then she would help me process that and go, okay, now I know what I need to do. 
And then the next day, maybe I got in a fight and she'd help me process that. And I found this interesting because there seems to be everyone, so many people I know now are like, I'm in therapy. And I'm like, oh, what is therapy doing? Well, we're talking through and trying to process all these experiences that people have had, but they never processed. I'm like, my mom was acting as my therapist and as the therapist for the whole family. And so when it came to me being 18, 20, an adult, she'd already done all the work and then she was seeing good outcomes. But I think now they're not, we, we've underappreciated that role. And then we have kids when they're becoming adults and the parents are like, oh man, they're screwed up. I would spend so much money and so much time to hopefully unscrew them up or un, or help them deal with these issues. But you're like, that's what, <laughs> that's the role of that, of the, of the mom. She was doing all that therapy. So I think that's another area where we've just, the moms used to be in charge of not only the physical health, but also I think the mental health. Oh yeah, of the family, and now we see all these mental health problems happening because we've either not we're not focusing, and we're or we're pulling mothers entirely out of the home. And I'm not saying it has to be mother, but someone needs to be doing that therapy process with kids because there's just so many things that are happening on a day in day and day out basis. And if we neglect them, you know, we get there like, well, I have lots of money, but my kids are in this bad state. How do I? What what can I do? I think that's a more frustrating place to be than. I have less money, but my kids are doing phenomenal. Well, yeah. And two thoughts come to mind, you know, any business that you and I build in the world, give it, give it a decade or two. Chances are in a decade or two, it will be bought, sold, bankrupted, disrupted, something. It won't be the same thing, but the effect that a, a good parent has in the home, a mom or a dad, that influence can filter down through generations. I mean, hundreds of years, a long time, and has a more, much more lasting pronounced effect than, you know, a business that may be awesome for a few years. And then, you know, and when I say this, I mean, like, 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 let me, let me bring this up in another way. Like I've asked this question before, but I'll ask it again. Do you know what your great, great grandparents did for a living? Like your grandparents, grandparents. And when I ask that most people don't, or they might know one or two, but you remember you had 16 great, great grandparents. Do you care that they had the coolest horse or the coolest plow, or the coolest, you know, whatever it was, nobody cares. And here's the thing, your great, great grandchildren probably won't care what we did. They, they won't, our great, great, you know, your great, great grandchildren, my great, great grandchildren, they're not going to care what we did, but the kind of parent we were, whether they know it or not, is going to filter down. And there's, there's little choices that we make that can be passed on for generations. And so, you're right. The other thing that came to mind when you said this is that somebody, a wise man said, if we don't fix marriages and families, everything else we do will be like straightening deck chairs on the Titanic. I mean, if we don't help be awesome therapists, I mean, and who can underestimate even, even the financial, by the way, not just the emotional and spiritual uh, value of a good mom, but uh, if you just wanted to put it in monetary terms, which isn't the most important thing, but if we just said, okay, look, what do you call, what do people pay for a therapist right now? You know, and you have an on-site therapist that can give therapy all day long if they're checked in, right? I mean, and therapists mm -hmm. can easily charge a good hundred plus dollars an hour to to be there, and and there's a, a mom who can be a therapist and help people process just like she did for you. Um, love what you're saying here, Aaron. Would you agree with what I'm saying on this, or your thoughts? Yeah, no, I no, I totally agree. That's kind of my book, The Family Flywheel. I, the reason I call it that is because it's the flywheel is something that gains momentum 
and then it and then it actually stabilizes itself right like in a business you know you have google it's really small it's like a teeny company and then as it gets bigger there's more people working on it more people working towards itself it or it's it's success it has more money because it's being productive it has more people then it also has a culture and a structure that are working so those type of things become these giant stabilizing effects for the company as well as for society at large and it's the same in our families if we're intentional about the culture we're trying to put out which is challenging you know you i've got four kids you've got four kids it's hard for all of your kids to kind of get this i've got five kids yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, so you've got kids it's hard for the first kid and the last kid to get the same messages right sometimes you change them but you're like what is our family culture and there are some there's some research i've done where really good families they'll gain wealth and then they'll be able to maintain and propagate it through generations there's one study i saw that it was you know, there were nine generations still connected, still with a family identity, still with financial, social, and human capital, and the human resources. And that's the stuff that you you can build if you're intentional about how you're building your family. And to your point, I don't think anyone's going to look back and be like, well, what did they do for a job? But they look at the values that have been pushed forward and how those things and the beliefs, and those are the things that are going to propel them to success in the future. Right. So it's not just the business, the financial piece. It's also this kind of emotional, it's the spiritual piece. It's the the family values that get passed down. Is that what I'm hearing from you say? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's the same if you want to build a big business. At some point, you're going to have to step away, right? You either die as a founder and then you're like, how do I help this thing propagate itself without me? And so I think as we, as when we're young and we have, and our kids are young, it's often like treading water. It feels like you're, <laughs> there's so many problems. But then as our kids get older, then we kind of get to the, okay, what are our values? What, how are we trying to reinforce them? And then when we become grandparents, it's like, okay, I've kind of figured out version one or version two of parenting, how to do it. Now, how do I make sure my kids are starting with what I learned and I'm giving that information to them so that they can go, oh, now I'm parenting with version two. Then they can rev that to three or four and pass that down right? So that you're starting with best practices. We do this in companies all the time, but for some reason in families, we seem to have this idea like, okay, go get married and you and your spouse are going to do everything your own way and good luck. And it's like, why? Then you look at dynamics and divorces, like, well, you can't do that successfully. It's not going to create this flywheel of success. So that's where I look at it. Like if we focus and look at our role is not getting smaller as we get older and our children, it's getting more, how do we help these next generation with the culture and values? Because as parents, a lot of times we're just like, I got to make money. I'm really busy in this stage of life, especially when you have super young kids. Absolutely. So I liked what you said about, t- tell us more about, you know, somebody who's hearing this, us uh, discuss this today and says, you know, maybe I could be more intentional. Where would you say, to, like, where, where could they start with being more intentional? Any I think the that? first yeah, so the very first part of the, the core part of a business model is your strategy. What's your purpose? You know, if you look at, if you and I wanted to start a business, I'd say, hey, what part of the business are you going to work on? Which one am I going to work on? And are we both working on the same business? Like, I want to go do an accounting business. And you're like, cool, I want to do accounting. And you're like, and I'll do marketing and we'll be a great couple or great founders. And mm-hmm. in, a, in a family, it's the same thing. Like, why are we married? What is our long-term goals? Because so many arguments and and fights come down to, we're not going in the same direction. We don't have the same long-term outcome. And so if you're like, you know, you're talking about, you know, you'll travel a lot with your family. Is that the priority or is it making money? 
because I'm sure it's costing you money, you know, to travel. And it's like, what trade-offs am I making? And if the priority was maximize just wealth, then you're probably doing it wrong. But if the priority is maximizing those social connections and those resources when the kids are in the house, then you're doing it right. And so if you and your wife are on the same page, then when you're making those decisions about what you should do and what she should do to contribute to that, then it's much easier to reduce the conflict. So it's like, do you actually have what I would call like a family mission statement that both you and your spouse you know, are, are bought into, believe in at a, at a deep level? Because if you're not, then it's like, where if you both are going in different directions, then it's hard to make any decisions. How do you prioritize when you want to go to different places? Yeah, I've lo- I love that. I love that. And it takes a little bit of time, you know, um, it takes a little bit of time to say, well, let's sit down and imagine, you know, Stephen Covey talks about this thing where he says, you've got to begin with the end in mind. And he actually wants you to think about like when you're 80 years old and someone's giving you a tribute, you're at the end of your life, perhaps we'll say at 80. And somebody's mm-hmm. saying like, what do you want your children to say about you when you're 80? And do you want them to say, Hey, I was always gone at work, but he gave me nice stuff. Or do you want to say, you know what? My dad may not have been the richest guy around, but he was there for me. I actually know someone who's very close to me. And, and this person has told me um, that they wish that their dad was around more and they would have been more than happy to have traded the stuff that was provided, he provided well for them to have more time. And so that kind of thought process, you're right. You know, you could say, well, if, if it's only about maximizing the bottom line month financially, well, sure, go work hundred hours a week and you can neglect everybody and you'll just, you'll have a lot of money. I mean, if you put hundred hours a week in anything, eventually you'll be successful at it. But is that where you want to be at 80 years old? Is that where you want to be? What you want to have people think about when you pass away? And it doesn't mean you can't be a provider and balance and do everything, you know, but I think those conversations, I love how you say this, you know, start direction before speed, right? Uh, there's a term, there's a term in business. And I think I talk, I talk about it in my book, there's effective and then there's efficient. And a lot of efficient is when you're doing something, you know, you're going in a direction as fast as possible, but effective is going in the right direction. You know, so if you're going in the wrong direction at hundred miles an hour, that's, that's really a bad thing to do, but sometimes people get caught up in that. And that's where you see it with, you know, people who are men I've seen, especially when they, you know, they become a doctor. Oh my, I can make so much money, but if I build my own practice, I can make even more money. And then they go build this amazing practice, but they don't invest in their relationships with their wife and their children. And then they they get divorced. Their children hate them. And they're like, well, I have money, but now I'm lonely. Was And was it worth it? No. And that's the things where people are looking at trade-offs. There was another woman I know, she was she was talking uh, with my wife and she said, I would rather have my husband gone and have more money than have him here and have less. And then they ended up getting divorced. It's like, look at the prioritization. Is that the right one? And, and then you see him like, oh, I guess I'm just money to her. And so that's where you end up with these, get on your same page. And that's where I talk about you know, in dating, if we treated it more like, well, who's our co-founder? Like, I want to do this type of a business and go this direction. I look at my wife, she's been a great wife for me, but I think she'd be a horrible wife for Donald Trump. And I think Donald Trump's wife would be a horrible wife for me. And although it's probably good for him because it's more of the socialite stuff. So it's really, and I've seen this in, you know, in my, I have a sister, she, my dad, my family was white collar. My dad was a professor. Um, and, and so as you 
get longer into the career, you get more valuable usually when you're in a white collar profession. Well, she married a guy in a blue collar job. Well, blue collar means at some point you either have to transition to the blue collar entrepreneur where now you run this whole thing or because your body just wears out. Well, she was in this mode of, hey, we're just going to have this life as the, with the blue collar career, or, but expecting like it was going to be white collar. And then her husband started to have these health problems. And then she thought, wow, I have to totally revamp my whole business model. Do I need to go back to work? I was just staying home doing my thing, but do I need to go get an MBA because he no longer can do what he needed to do in the family. So that's where I talk about, there's a lot of these business models and culture clashes that we don't see unless we're just kind of, unless we have a framework to actually look at them. Right. And being able to have conversations with your children where you say, you know what, let's think things through, right? Let's think things like how, what, what is it that we, is really important when you're looking for a spouse, you know, is, is it, what is it that we want to do? And so it's not just, Hey, we're going to go out and if they're good looking and, and you're good looking and you, you're, you're attracted to each other and you're going to try to make, it's, it's saying, you know, let's step back a little bit and say, Hey, what are we going to do? And, and having these conversations so they don't have to learn, um, some lessons vary in a very hard way. And I think that that ability to say, you know, I'm going to be a parent that's keyed in. I'm going to, I'm going to invest in my children and it may, may cost me some financial success, but that's not what, that's not where I'm, I'm headed at the end of the, at my end of my life. If I'm not as financially successful, as I could have been, I would rather be a good dad, a good parent. And I've, and of course we as, as, as dads and providers, at least I know I, I would like to also be successful and, and, and be able to teach my children that but also not um, at the expense of their emotional, spiritual well-being. So it's, I think it's, it's always the balancing and that's where you go into, it's, it's gotta be a looking at your business model. What is the culture, the strategy and the structure that you're, you want for your family? What is your, your spouse looking for in their family? There's sometimes like, it's just incompatible. Like you can't take Walmart's culture and put it in Google. If you did, all of the engineers would quit. Right. You can't take Google's culture and put it into Walmart. It just doesn't work. So it's much more about, and that's where I say in the book, I'm not saying there's a right way to do it. Right. This is the book is much more around here's all the pieces to consider because most of the conflict you have in your marriage is not around, you know, like it's not around these little small, I mean, there's some small things, but it usually is around either a cultural belief that's different, a value that's off. And it's not that one's right or wrong. It's just what they are. And so if your strategies to aligned and your structures aligned and your culture's aligned, you'll make a ton of money. I think you'll be fair, you'll be wealthy, you'll be successful socially, you'll have great friends, great people around you, and you'll have great abilities for your kids, for yourself, right? You'll have good health as well. So that's the place where focusing on it holistically, but also looking at the the people you're saying, what 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 are this, what's what strategy are these people trying to play out? Is it the one that I want to play out? And, and finding that, then you'll be in a much better spot because you'll, your business model will be aligned. I like to think, you know, what I'm hearing here is like, take the time to think it out, take the time to not just go with the feeling of the moment. Let's sit down and plan and think it out. Tell us about your book. Where can we find your book and where can we find you if people want to get a hold of you? Aaron. Yeah, my book, you can find on Amazon. Just look up the family flywheel. Um, I have a website called thefamilyflywheel.com and I have, there's a book resources tab there, which will give you, which will help you go through your business model 
What is your culture? What's your strategy? What's your structure? It also helps you go through your resources. I think a lot of people underestimate the resources they have available to them. So it helps you go through those. If you're married, you can fill out your set separately from your wife. And then you can look at how is my business model, which involves your culture and what roles do you want to have for structure? How do those things align? And where's the conflict? Because that's really where you say like, I value this and she values this. Okay. Let's, let's think through this and talk through it because that's a conflict. So have some resources there. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn at Aaron K. Shelley and Facebook on Aaron, Aaron K. Shelley as well. Awesome. We'll put that familyflywheel.com uh, on the show notes, maybe some of some other links to, to you so you can find Aaron. Aaron, is if there's one more thing you'd like to say, you know, one thought that you could think of to leave um, our listeners with today, is there anything you would share? Yeah, my goal is to try to help people holistically think about wealth not just financial wealth, but social wealth and the the human resource wealth. And if you just focus on that financial wealth, you'll be rich, most likely, but you'll probably be sick and lonely. So please think about things holistically as you go about your life. I appreciate that. Aaron, thanks so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. And uh, reach out to Aaron. And uh, like I said, we'll put some of the links in the show notes. Thanks again for being with us here today, Aaron. Thanks, Xane. It was a lot of fun. I am so jealous of my wife because she gets the ultimate career. She gets to train and nurture and love our children more than I get to because I have to be doing things like this podcast. Parenting is the ultimate career. If you like what you heard today, please like, subscribe, comment, leave a review. Thank you for listening. You can also check out my book, What I Want My Children to Know Before I Die. It's available on Amazon and other bookstores. Thanks again for listening.